Hi there! This is the PowerPoint Tribe, where our vibe is faith and our food is the Word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through the teachings of God's Word and the ministry of the Spirit. Everyone is edified, everyone is strengthened by the power of the spoken word in the name of Jesus. Lord, hide my flesh behind the cross and let the things that I speak, let me speak as an oracle of God and let me minister according to the ability that the Lord gives in the name of Jesus. The words that I will speak this morning, so the words of the information to the ears, so the illumination to the hearts, and empowerment to the hands in the name of Jesus. It will change and transform lives and cause them to enter into your next levels in the name of Jesus. We give you praise and we give you glory. In Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. Wherever you are, give the Lord a big shout, all right? Give the Lord a big, big shout of praise. He's such a good God. God. Hallelujah. Amen. Such service. Service unusual. Praise God. Okay, so I'm so glad to be here with you this morning to share God's word and to just minister God's word to you. Praise the name of the Lord. He's such a good God. Amen and amen. amen. All right, just before we start, I'd like you to just pray in the Spirit for the next about one minute and just stir up yourself in the Holy Spirit. Means to Vilabro Susan Vixtaja, E Perdista Zigala Bradabona, Sieta Dija Costizada. And it's supposed to help you create some sort of an awareness to receive from the throne of grace because these things are not, they are not words from a magazine, these things are not words from a novel. These things are the Word of God revealed into your spirit. If your spirit is not ready to receive it, it's just, it's just not going to have as much impact as you, as you would have imagined it would have. Because God's word is so powerful. But if the vessel it hits is not ready for that word, it won't do much good. It won't do much good. And that's why sometimes we need to pray in the spirit to get our hearts attuned, to get our spirits aligned, to receive from the throne of grace. Praise the name of the Lord. Thank you, Father. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. Amen. Once again, you're welcome to the PowerPoint Tribe, and I am your host for today's service. Daniel Gunsley is the name, and this is PowerPoint Tribe. Hallelujah. Amen. Such an honor. Such a joy. Amen. Amen. So let's begin Bible reading this morning by going to the first Samuel. It's going to be a Bible study classic this morning, and I am so excited to share God's word with you. First Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3, so you understand the privilege we have as believers, all right, to receive God's word. It's such a privilege. 1 Samuel chapter 3, the Bible says, from verse 7, it says, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. You see that? It says, Samuel did not yet know the Lord neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. The reason why he didn't know the Lord was because the word of the Lord was yet to be revealed to him. You cannot know God apart from God's word. You cannot know God apart from the revealed word to you. Praise God. And then you see the same Samuel, if you read verse 21, the Bible says, And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. You see that even God couldn't reveal himself to Samuel without the word of God. And so you can replace neither in verse 7 with because and you would have still been accurate. So if you read verse 7 saying, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord because the word of the Lord was not yet revealed unto him, you will still be very accurate. Because we cannot know God apart from his word. And that's why every single time we have the privilege to come to God's presence and learn from his word, it is such an honor, it's such a rare privilege. Because it's an opportunity to know God a little bit more. It's an opportunity to know the word of God a little bit more. John chapter 17 says, This is eternal life, verse 3, that you may know God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. That they may know God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. That is eternal life. That is the opportunity God has given us every time we have the opportunity to receive God's word. We're having an opportunity to enter into dimensions of eternal life. We're having the opportunity to fellowship with the Father. To have koinonia with Him. To know Him intimately. Because the Lord appeared again in Shiloh. For the Lord revealed Himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of God. And this morning the Lord is about to appear to you. He's about to appear to you. You know it's, you know, fire and brimstone and earthquakes and all that. He can do that, but you see, he prefers to reveal himself to you by the word of God. Amen and amen. amen. And so that, 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 that's just the foundation, just to get you excited and, you know, poised to receive the word of God. 
from the throne of grace. So we continue from where we stopped last week. By the way, if you have not listened to the teaching last week, I implore you to go on SoundCloud and then search for PowerPoint Tribe and listen to that message. It's going to bless your heart real good. And if you would rather have the PDF document that I created after that teaching, um, we can also share that with you. Just make a notice on the comment section and then we'll, we'll reach out to you and share the PDF document with you. It was such a profound lesson. Praise the name of the Lord. So just to do a quick recap on that particular teaching on there is a river. We're living in very desperate times and seasons right now. And it looks like a lot of people are you know, worried to death, scared, anxious. They don't know what to do. They don't know what will come out of this whole pandemic situation. Things are plummeting, fluctuations here and there. But there is a scripture that gives a very graphic illustration of what we are experiencing in this season. There is a scripture. There is a scripture that gives a very perfect picture of what is going on right now. And Psalms 46. So let's just go there. Psalms 46. The Bible says from verse 1, God is our refuge and our strength. A very present help in trouble. Amen. Praise God. He's a very present help in trouble. He helps you when you need it the most. He's a very present help in trouble. The Bible says, therefore will not we fear. Though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters therefore roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swellings thereof, he says, but there is a river. Praise God. I like the way David just interjects all that narrative with there is a river. It just looks like a complete opposite direction of what he's been saying. Though these calamities are happening, though this crisis is ongoing, though this pandemic has covered the whole globe, though things are happening that we cannot seem to understand and have explanations for, he says there is a river. How does a river connect with the realities of the things that I have mentioned before now? He says there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. He says God is in the midst of her, praise God. She shall not be moved. Woo, glory to God. God shall help her and that right early. That God doesn't keep his, you know, his help till it's late. No. Amen. He may come at a nick of time, but it never comes late. Praise God. He says he will come with that help right early. And so what is he saying here? There is a river. And last week we did a very didactic and exposition on what this river is, who this river is, and how powerful it is for us to locate that river. Because that's why David is mentioning that river here. He says in the midst of all this chaos and pandemic, there is a river to look for. There is a river to look for. We established also last week how that, that river always flows gently and softly all year round. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. There is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of the living God. And so if we do a little analysis of the first three verses in Psalm chapter 46, you'll realize and it's a very graphic picture of what is going on in the world right now. Though the earth be removed, that is something that is happening to the entire planet at the same time. That explains the coronavirus, the COVID-19. It's the pandemic. Though the earth be removed, this is not some part of the earth being removed. This is not some nation being removed. The whole earth is at risk. The whole earth is at, you know, the, the mercy of this COVID-19 pandemic. And it looks like, man, what is going on? The whole earth is affected by this thing. He says, though the earth be removed. Wow. He says, though the mountains be cast into the midst of the sea. The mountains of stock exchanges, the mountains of economies, of war powers. The, the economy is crashing literally. And these things are happening right before our eyes because of this one pandemic. The mountains that have existed that look immovable, unshakable for eons and dispensations. They are being thrown into the midst of the sea. And when you throw a mountain into the midst of the sea, the mountain sinks to the very base of that sea, and that sea doesn't even look like it just followed anything. Because the mountain is no longer there, and the sea is quiet. And it looks like, you know, these things that are happening are so mountainous, and they're being thrown into the sea, and nobody's even observing that, man, this thing used to be there. The stock exchange used to be this powerful, you know, tool of prediction for financial markets and stuff. But here they are, being thrown into the midst of the sea. Things are crashing, there's recession. Though the waters roar and be troubled, talking about disruptions, the waters of our stable work-life balance, go to work in the morning, come back in the evening, buy stuff for your kids, have some fun time with your family in the evening, and the next day the cycle continues, and then on Saturday you have a good nice cup of coffee in the morning, have your bread and, <laughs> and beans, praise God, and then by Sunday morning you go to the massive cathedral, hear God's word, amen, and then on Monday you continue the cycle again, all of that has been disrupted right now. 
The waters, the calm, still, predictable waters are roaring and being troubled. Disruptions. It's as though the mountains shake with swellings. Talking about fluctuations. They are shaking with swellings. They are dropping. They are rising. The, the price of the dollar to the naira. The oil prices. The, 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 the naira per barrel. Can you, the, the disruptions and the fluctuations and the recessions all being affected by this one pandemic. And you can link everything we're going through right now, the unpredictability of these times, to Psalms chapter 46. It says, but in the midst of all of this crisis, in the midst of all of this heartache, in the midst of all of these anxieties and all this stuff going on in the world right now, there is a river. Oh, I'm so excited about that. I like the way David just interjects it. He doesn't, well, he doesn't go on with the negative narrative. He says, there is a river. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. It doesn't matter what is going on. Even though the earth is being removed. Even though the mountains are being thrown into the midst of the sea. Even though the waters are roaring and being troubled. Even though there are swellings and shakings everywhere. There is a river. Praise God. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that you have a God who, who has a river to sort you out? There is a river. Locate that river. Look at that river. And so, uh, the bane of my, of my assignment this morning is to help you locate the river. And once you locate the river, to also help you maximize that access to the river. Praise the name of the Lord. So there is a river whose atmosphere, whose economy, whose reality is not affected by the pandemic, by recessions, by disruptions and fluctuations. The river is not affected. As a matter of fact, he flows softly. When there's crisis, it flows, it flows softly. When there's no crisis, it flows softly. It is not affected. He doesn't know. Hallelujah. He doesn't even, he's not aware. Praise God. That whatever it is that is going on, is going on. Because it just flows softly. Nothing can make it, you know, be troubled. It's not like the waters that are getting troubled. This one is a river. It's a river that flows from the throne of grace. Praise God. Once you locate the river, you take on the atmosphere of that river. You cannot also be troubled. You're not worried. You're not anxious. You're not fearful. You're not afraid. Your heart is not troubled because the river is there. We established last week how that the river is right there inside of your spirit. Amen. Amen. This is not a river that is in Jerusalem. This is not a river that is east of the king's palace. This river is right in your spirit. You have access to that river. We established it last week. So if you have not listened to that message, go listen to that message. Praise God. Oh, we talked about John chapter 9. It was such an amazing teaching. How that the blind man, you know, had been blind for 38 years. And folks were asking who sinned, father, mother, himself. And, you know, funny questions. And that's how the human nature is designed to function. Whenever something goes wrong, we always try to attack it. Oh, well, what happened? Who did this? Who, who went wrong? What did we do wrong? But Jesus comes and he takes over the entire conversation. Because he doesn't try to debate causes. He legislates outcomes. He comes with solutions. He says, whatever it is that has caused this thing, it really doesn't matter. It's inconsequential. At the presence of the Lord, I'm the light of the world. This man has been blind so far. He's about to see right now. And what he referred him to was a river. The river Siloam. Oh boy, listen to that message. Praise the name of the Lord. So now that we, we understand that the river is the person of the Holy Spirit, because we understand that Siloam in that context means sense. In another variation, it says gift. And the sent gift is symbolic of the person of the Holy Spirit. He is the sent gift. Tarry in Jerusalem until I send you and endure you with power from on high. He was referring to the person of the Holy Spirit. He is the sent gift. He is the reaper. John chapter 7, verse 38. Bible says, he cried on, verse 37, Bible says on the final day of the feast, Jesus cried with a loud voice and said, if any man thirst, let him come. But far out of his bellies, as the scripture said, shall flow rivers of living water, verse 39. And this spake he of the Holy Spirit, which should be given to them that believe. Alright? But those things had not happened because he had not been glorified. So they had not received the evidence of that gift, which is the Holy Spirit at the time. Because Jesus had not been glorified. He had not died. He had not been buried. He had not resurrected. Praise God. And so the Holy Spirit had not been, had, had not been given. But right now, we have been endured with power from on high. And so the river that flows out of our bellies is the person. Of the Holy Spirit. Praise the name of the Lord. Jesus was the only custodian of that river. While he was on earth. He was the only custodian of that river. But praise God right now we have equal access. Amen. We are co-carriers of this river. Everywhere we go we have that river. So what do you do with this river? And that, that, that brings me to the real core of this message. What do you do with this river that you have access to? Because not everybody has access to it. 
David, by revelation, understood that in crisis situations, locate the river. You cannot try to stem the situation by looking at the situation, by going on your research, by going on Google. Nobody has answers right now. It's obvious. The best of nations are still grappling with this situation. Tons of people are dying every day and you're wondering what is going on. There is a river, guys. There is a river. The streams thereof make glad the city of a living God. God is in the midst of her and she shall not be moved. Praise God as the mountains surround Jerusalem. So does the Lord surround those that fear him. There is a river. I want you to know that with all your heart that there is a river. What do you do with the river? Praise God. Amen. Amen. The first thing you do with the river is to draw from the river. You draw from the river. Because you see, you can have a river and don't draw from it. And you, dr you die of thirst while carrying rivers within your spirit. There are people who die of hunger when their father owns a bakery. In it. And so, why should you die of thirst when inside of you is the river of living waters? Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 3. The Bible says, we draw, we draw, praise God. We draw waters from our wells of salvation. And so the first thing you do to the river is to draw from that river. That is, feed yourself first. It's not wrong. It's not selfish. It's to get yourself stabilized. Hallelujah. Because things are going on left, right, and center. There are bombings everywhere. There are crises. Mountain is being thrown into the midst of the sea. The earth is being removed. The waters are swelling and roaring. And everything just fluctuating. Recessions here and there. Pandemic. Hallelujah. You draw from that river. What do you draw with? You draw with joy. Joy is the signature of the Holy Ghost. It's the signature of the Holy Ghost. If you have a believer who has the Holy Ghost in him, one of the, you know, attitudes that that person will demonstrate most consistently is joy. Oh, thank God for David. But you know, David was not a perfect man, so he messed up at some point, and Prophet Nathan came and said, you messed up. You slept with another man's wife and killed that man. You're a wicked person, and you ought to die. And then he gave him that prophecy, and then, I mean, David felt so bad, and all of that, and he was, you know, godly sorrow and all of that. And Psalm 51 documented his, his ode to God. And I'm sure we all know the song. Cast me not away from your presence, O Lord. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And renew right spirit within me. Let's sing that song one more time. Cast me not away. Cast me not away. From your presence, O Lord. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore, restore unto me the joy of my salvation oh, and renew right spirit within me the joy of the Lord was David's strength now that he had messed up and the Holy Spirit was at risk of leaving him do you know what he began to do? he began to ask from God and cry and pray cast me not away from your presence Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Because with the Holy Spirit out of the window, joy is also out of the window. And so he says, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me more than anything in the world. The joy of salvation. The joy of salvation. He had lived in, in Ziklag in his, you know, yesteryears. He had lived in the, you know, cave of Adulam. He had lived from cave to cave in wildernesses, from places to places as a fugitive. But there was something in him that kept him strong all those years. It was the joy of the Holy Ghost. And now he was at risk of, of you know, letting go of that joy. And he prayed unto God and said, no, please, don't, don't get rid of this joy. Don't let this joy leave my life. This joy has been my strength. Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10b, he says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so before you begin to try to help anybody, you need to draw from that river. You need to draw with joy. You need to draw with joy. Joy is the signature of the Holy Ghost. And that's how he keeps you strong. He says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse types of temptations. Oh, knowing that the trial of your faith work at patience. And says, let patience have its perfect one. That you may be complete and entire. One thing, nothing. There is something about joy. But you know, the beautiful thing about joy is that he never walks alone. 
There is something that produces joy. Are you ready to understand that? Yes, sir. There is something that produces joy. Romans chapter 14 and verse 17. The Bible says the kingdom of God is not in meat and drink. It is in righteousness. It is in peace. And it's in joy in the Holy Ghost. And so we understand that that is actually the progression. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Why do I know that? Because there's another sequence in scripture. Romans chapter 5. Praise God. From verse 1. The Bible says, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. You see, having been just, justified by faith, we became the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God was no longer angry with us. The middle wall of petition was removed. And now we have union with God. He says, so having been justified by faith and having the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, he says we have peace with God. And so peace doesn't just come haphazardly. It comes after establishing yourself in righteousness. Mm. He says, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Oh, praise the name of the Lord. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. By whom also we have access into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice. Praise God. And rejoice in hope of the glory of God. You see how righteousness led to peace and how peace led to joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy. That's how it works. Having been justified by faith, we became righteous. And then we have peace with God. We're no longer angry of condemnation, of guilt, and all of that. We were at, at peace with God. And then because of that, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And so it is righteousness that leads to peace, that leads to joy. And that is, why, that is one of the most attacked, of the, you know, uh, attacked virtues of the believer by the enemy. He wants to attack your joy. And how he, he tries to attack your joy, which is your strength, is by ensuring that you don't feel right with God. He begins by telling you you're not good enough. It begins by telling you that God is angry with you. It begins by telling you that you messed up last night and so you have, no, you have no basis of standing before him in his presence this morning listening to a teaching. He tells you that you're not good enough, you're wrong, you're bad, you're, you're messed up, you're condemned. He condemns you. And once he condemns you, he steals your peace. You no longer have the right to stand before God without any feeling of inferiority and guilt and condemnation. You feel guilty, you feel condemned, you feel that the verdict of God over your life is judgment. And God is not happy with you. He can never be happy with you. And guess what you lose as well? You lose your joy. And once you lose your joy, you lose your strength. And once you lose your strength, he attacks you. And he's guaranteed of victory over your life. Because you have lost your strength. Never give the enemy an opportunity to attack your righteousness, consciousness. To attack your peace. To attack your joy. It's a flow. You don't just get joyful. You must first feel right with God. And then produces peace. And then joy breaks in. That's how it works. And so joy is the, is the last man standing. Once he attacks that joy, he has attacked your strength. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And once you're weak, he can attack you. He can rob you. He can spoil you. He can steal from you. He can kill you. He can make you a victim. And you don't allow that. And so you guard your righteousness. You guard your peace. Because those are the things that garrison your joy. Praise the name of the Lord. There is a good example of this in scripture in the life of Prophet Elijah. Prophet Elijah was such a massive man of God. Oh boy, that guy was such a colossal influence. I mean, this guy just came out of nowhere. Bible talks about how that Elijah of Tishbites, that's all. Elijah rather than Tishbites. He, we didn't hear about his mother, his father, where he came from. He just appeared on the scene. And he said, by my word, it will not rain for three and a half years. And the Bible says he did not rain. Praise God. He was such a very powerful man of God. And so he did a lot of stuff. He was a very aggressive, violent man of God. Because that was the anointing of God upon his life. He was supposed to be that way. Because he was supposed to begin to make people see another kind of power. Apart from the reign of Ahab and Jezebel. And so he had to be boisterous. He had to be aggressive. He had to be very firm and fierce. That was the kind of anointing upon his life. And then after a while, you know, he, he began to do a lot of stuff, pull stunts, and he became very popular in the land. And then, of course, there was a time where he had to show, oh boy, I like that part. He had to show off God right in the, in the face of other prophets of Baal who said Baal was God. And he mocked them. Oh, there's something we used to call Arrow back in on OAU. He did Arrow for those guys. He said, ah, call upon your gods. Maybe he's sleeping. Maybe he's on a journey. Maybe he's seen a visitor off. Maybe he'll soon be back. 
How about you just cut yourself a little bit more? And those 400 prophets of Baal, they cut themselves. They were just like, come on now, answer us. Don't embarrass us today. Aren't you alive, Baal? Answer us today. And Elijah mocks them and mocks them and mocks them. And after they were done with all their antics and all that, he sat there and said, oh, come on, guys. Pour this thing with water. Pour water. Wet everywhere. Make it impossible for fire to come out of this. <laughs> they wet the sacrifice. They wet the stones. They wet the troughs and all of those things. And the Bible says, oh, Elijah called unto the God of Elijah. And he says, let the God of Elijah answer by fire. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure we remember all those revival songs. God of Elijah, send down fire. <laughs> and that was exactly what happened that day. Elijah called down fire on those wet, soaked sacrifices. And fire came and licked the water. Praise God. Licked the water. And the Bible says, let the God of Elijah, if he answers by fire, let him be God. That day, you know what he did? He killed 400, oh boy, 400 prophets of Baal. In one day, he didn't kill them by, you know, emeralds or COVID-19 or anything. He killed them with the sword. He, killed, he literally butchered. That was some cruel guy, man. He killed all of them, slaughtered their heads, and made the whole land barren of prophets of Baal. The whole land was barren, and these were the gods of Ahab and Jezebel. So, of course, the news got to Jezebel and to Ahab. Ahab was already scared of Elijah. Ahab was scared of that guy, man. Like, this guy is a dangerous man. He caused famine. Now he's killing all the prophets of Baal. I can't face this guy. But Jezebel, she just, she just had a way, you know. You know, ladies and their ways, praise God. Amen. You know, Jezebel said, come on now, come on, I'm, I'm going to threaten this guy. Because, you see, so, so she, she, she writes a letter, and she tells him, and she sends a messenger to him and says, Elijah, I, I hear what you did, I hear what you did to the prophets of Baal, all right? And I want you to know that I'm going to kill you too. The way you slaughtered this man yesterday, by tomorrow, if your head is still remaining on your body, call me whatever it is, you know, that was the tone of the, of the letter she wrote to Elijah. And guess what? Elijah was afraid. He was scared. He was worried. He began to run. He was running from a letter. If Jezebel could kill Elijah, she wouldn't have sent a letter. She would have just killed him anyways. Why, why send a letter? <laughs> why send a letter to threaten him? It was only a very empty threat. And that's exactly how the devil works every single time. It was an empty threat. If you could kill me, why don't you just come and kill me? Why send me a letter? But you see, he, she wanted to affect and attack his righteousness, his peace, and his joy. Mm. She, he, she sent it to attack something. Those three musketeers, she sent to attack those things. And boy, they were attacked in Elijah. Elijah's sense of rightness with God was attacked. His peace was attacked. His joy went out of the window. And he began to run for his dear life. Oh, he ran and ran and ran. And he found a tree of juniper. And he sat under that tree. And he was like, oh God, I'm not better than my father. Oh God, I'm such a horrible prophet. I'm the only one left. And, and he began to speak like a weakling. He began to talk like a beggar. He began to talk like a victim. The same Elijah who killed 400 prophets of Baal. Who told the rain not to rain for three and a half years. And the rain obeyed him. This same guy that the king was afraid of. A letter scared him to his pants. Can you imagine that Elijah at some point became such a weak guy that only a letter was enough to attack his righteousness, his peace, and his joy? How do I know they were attacked? Because he began to talk like a victim. He said, I'm not better than my fathers. I, I'm, I'm not better. A low self-esteem. A, a very terrible inferiority complex. Just overwhelmed him, and he couldn't focus anymore. He said, I'm not better than my fathers. Please, just, I just want to die already. Who talks like that? Who talks like that? His peace was shattered. He was not feeling at peace with God anymore. Apparently, his joy was a man. It was just because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And once, and then, of course, God now appeared to him right there. And then there was the earthquake. There was drought and all those, you know, interesting stuff. And God was not there. And then there was a still, small voice. The still, same still, small voice that reminds you that you're a son of God. That was says the spirit himself bears witness with our spirits. Yeah. That we are children of God. Yeah. With that still, small voice, he spoke to Elijah. And this guy was just, he was unencourageable. 
He couldn't be encouraged out of that situation. He was, he was drowned in, in depression. He was drowned in a low inferiority complex. He was drowned in guilt. He was drowned in condemnation. He was drowned because righteousness was taken away. Peace was taken away. Joy was taken away. And he couldn't draw from that river. And so God said, your time is out. I'm sorry. You can't do this work anymore. There's still a lot of work to be done. And you're such a massive guy on, on the planet doing my work right now. But without joy, you can't last. I have to take you out. So you know what you do? Get the cruise of oil. Go to Azahel. You're going to anoint Azahel the king of Syria. Then you go to Jehu. You're going to anoint him king of Israel. And then you go to Elisha and you anoint him in your stead as the prophet of Israel. Can you imagine that Elijah was occupying three massive positions while he was alive? He was occupying the position of Azahel, the position of Jehu, the position of Elisha. One man army turned into just a beggarly victim waiting to take his life. He became suicidal because somebody sent a letter to attack his righteousness, his peace, and his joy. Can you imagine? This guy, because for God to replace his effect on earth, God had to anoint three people to replace Elijah alone. He says, Isaiah must be anointed. Jehu must be anointed. He said, Elijah must be anointed. If anybody passes through Isaiah and doesn't get killed by Isaiah, hey, Jehu will kill that person. And if that person perhaps escapes the sword of Jehu, Elijah will not miss the target. So, for, for God to be able to fill the void that only Elijah filled, he had to anoint three men, a prophet and two kings. Can you imagine? That was how colossal Elijah was. But no matter how colossal you are, if you don't protect these basics, your spiritual life is going to go down the drain. Your purpose in God is going to become just a poof in the air. Elijah, as powerful as he was, couldn't withstand the threat against righteousness, against peace and joy. And that's what we need to do. We need to draw from this river. We need to draw from the rivers of the Spirit. That is where the anointing is. That is where righteousness is. That is where joy is. That is where peace is. The Bible calls the joy, the joy in the Holy Ghost. You don't get it anywhere else. And so that is how you draw from that river. You draw from that river. You draw your righteousness consciousness. And the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter what I go through. It doesn't matter the crisis that's going on in the world. I am made right with God. I have peace with God. And I rejoice with joy unspeakable. Full of glory. There's nothing the devil has on me. I am unstoppable. The lines are falling into me in pleasant places. I've got a goodly heritage. It doesn't matter what the enemy is doing in this camp. I'm blessed. Praise God. Isn't that awesome? That every day you stand up, you don't move an inch until you draw. You draw from the rivers of living waters. And you draw righteousness, consciousness. You draw peace. And you draw joy. So if you see a believer who doesn't rejoice often, ah, there's a significant problem. You've got to rejoice. Paul was stoned. He was imprisoned. He was shipwrecked. He was, oh boy, he was jailed. Come on now. And in the book of Philippians, 11 times it featured rejoice, joy, rejoice, rejoice. A man in prison encouraging those who are seemingly free to rejoice. Mm. Can you imagine? Because you see, he couldn't, he, there was an unfettered freedom in his heart and his spirit that even chains could not inhibit. Even chains and stocks and a prison wall could not chain. There was a joy in his spirit. There was a righteousness he had. There was a peace. And this is the thing you must draw from the realm of the spirit. In this time, when you're feeling, maybe God is judging us. Maybe, no, that's not the conversation to be having. Draw from the river. With joy. Draw from the river. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. By whom also we have access into this grace. Where we understand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Praise the name of the Lord. The next thing you do to this river, oh, I like this part, is to stir the river. Oh, praise God. What do you do? You stir the river. There is a place of drawing from the river. There is another place. You stir the river. How many of you know Ogi? Amen. Bap. Akamu. Praise God. You see, when you blend out all of those things and you soak the ogi, praise God, you soak it in water and all of that and you leave it overnight and you come the next morning, the, the thing has settled. It has, it has settled, amen. And you can't make much good out of it until you stir it. You know, a lot of people, they're like concentrated ogi that have stayed overnight for several nights and God cannot even use them because they are not stirred up. 
not stand up. In the same way, you can't you can't pour that ogi. You can pour the water on top of it, but you can't pour that ogi. The ogi itself is there. It's stuck. It's stuck. It has formed. It's bitter, boy. It has it has just stuck into the mold of that bucket, and you can't pour it. You can't use it. You can't bend it. You can't you can't use it because it's settled. And that's that's how sometimes people don't take advantage of the river that is in them. Their life just settled there. They don't take advantage of it. What do you do? You stir it up. You stir up the gift of God that is in you. Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6. He said, I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God. You stir it up. It doesn't matter what you're going through. You stir up the gift. Oh, it's like when a lion roars. He's telling you I'm still alive. It doesn't matter what I go through. I can still roar one more time. And when I roar, you better know what to do. You run. And so he said, I put it in remembrance. Because there are times we forget that we carry the river within us. Mm. And then we fail to stir it up. Mm. And the devil can now attack. You stir that river. You stir that river. I put you in remembrance. That you stir the gift of God. Which was given unto you by the laying of my hands. Guess what verse 7 now says. For you have not been given the spirit of fear. But of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And so if you don't stir up that gift, power is going to be out. Love is going to be out. Sound man out of the window. Why? Because you are not stirring up the gift. Mm. You need to stir up the gift. Sir. That's the seat of power. Glory. You've got to stir it up. There is a river within you. And that river is not supposed to settle like Ogi. You need to stir it up. Yes, sir. You stir it up. Again, 1 Timothy 4 verse 14. He says, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. He says, neglect not. You see, because you see, if you don't, if you are not put in remembrance, you will neglect it. It would almost look like, well, you're just a normal person. I'm just a normal human being. Like, born by normal parents. Living a normal world. Living a normal way. Everything that's happening to the world can happen to me. I'm not different. You don't talk like a loser. You stir up the gift of God. You stir up the gift. He says, neglect not the gift of God that was released into your life by the laying of the hands of the presbytery. Don't neglect it. Stir it up. You stir it up. You stir it up. So every morning you stir it up. That's how you stir it up. You pray in the Holy Ghost. It says, Beloved, beloved. It says, Jude 20. It says, But beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Woo! Praise God. Praying. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praying in the Holy Ghost. That's how you stir up yourself. So you stir the gift. You build up yourself on your most holy faith. But there is a missing link, actually. I realize that a lot of believers, all they do is pray in the Holy Spirit. There is a missing link. Because, you see, counsel in a man's heart is as deep waters. Hmm. This is very important. Counsel in a man's heart is as deep waters. But a man of understanding will draw it out. Hmm. Let's pray to us for the next 30 seconds. She Brazil will practice Ibrahasta Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, glory to God. You stir the river. You don't just leave the river to just be there. You stir it up. That's where power is generated. The same way still waters don't create an electricity. It is stir waters. The turbines are staring. They're staring. They're staring. And the effect of prayer and prayer of a righteous man makes power available. Dynamic in its workings. It is, it is the steered wind. It is the steered water that creates energy, that creates electricity, that creates power. And so if all you have is the waters and the rivers, but you don't stir it up, you're not going to be any different from someone who does not even have the river because no power in your life. But you've got to have power. You've got to have love and a sound mind. And it comes when you stir up the gift. Stir, stir up the gift. Proverbs 20 verse 5. It says, counsel in a man's heart is as deep waters. Thank you. But a man of understanding will draw it out. When we speak in the spirit, we speak mysteries. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. <clears throat> it says, How be to speak wisdom among them that are perfect? 
Not the wisdom of this world, nor the prince of this world, which come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in the mystery. Even the hidden wisdom of God. Which God had before ordained unto our glory. None of which the princes of this world knew, for had they known this, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Fast is written, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard. It has not entered into the heart of any man the things the Lord has planned, prepared, established for them that love him. For God has revealed them to us by his spirit, for his spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man? Said the spirit of man that is in him. Even so, no man knows the things of God, except the spirit of God. But we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of God. That man know the things that are freely given unto us of God. These things we speak, not with the words that man's wisdom teaches. Not Japanese, not South Korean, not English, not Yoruba. It says, but that which the Holy Ghost teaches, tunnels, comparing spiritual with spiritual. I said, for a natural man cannot receive anything of the spirit. For their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. For they are spiritually discerned. Oh, but a spiritual man judges all things. Judge them is discerned. A spiritual man discerns all things. Yet he himself is not judged of any man. He says, but who has got the mind of Christ that he instructs him? For we have the mind of Christ. Yeah. Now, in, 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 in all of that amazing scripture, which I believe every believer should have in their hearts, there is so much to glean. But what I want you to understand there is that, listen, there is so much mystery locked up in God for you. But you see, a spiritual man discerns all things. That means a spiritual man is not clueless in this season. A spiritual man is not clueless in this season. Everybody's looking for answers, like conspiracy theories here and they're flying here and there. He says a spiritual man discerns all things. A spiritual man understands all things. How does he understand? By speaking mysteries. Because these mysteries were before ordained unto our glory. And there are some princes of this world, the scientists of this world, the people of this world, the demons of this world, the God of this world, they, have, they don't have access to this kind of wisdom. This kind of wisdom is accessible and available for all believers. But the challenge is that all believers and most believers, all they do when they build up themselves on their most holy faith is pray in the spirit. The missing link is interpretation. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 13. The Bible says, let him that speaks in a known tongue, let him pray that he may interpret. If he does not pray that he may interpret, all he will be doing is speaking mysteries. The mysteries will not be useful for himself, it will be useful for the world. Because he's just speaking mysteries. There is a portion of mystery that you must speak, that you don't need access to, you don't need to understand it. But there is a portion of mystery that you need interpretations for. Imagine if Daniel just went to the king after the king had threatened to kill everybody who doesn't have the interpretation to his dreams and he goes to the front of the king and he begins to say, Oh, well, oh, this is the dream of the king. He's going to kill Daniel, he's going to kill all the astrologers in the land. You see, Daniel needed interpretation for the tongues, that was what the king needed, that was what was going to solve the problem of the land. Joseph couldn't have come to Pharaoh and start praying in the spirit. What's the meaning of that? Take this guy back to the dungeon and make sure you lock him in the hindermost part of the dungeon. You know what hindermost means? That's the KJV language. Hindermost, the deepest part of the dungeon. Because this guy is no good for me. He's coming here praying in tongues. What do I need the tongues for? And so he needed interpretation. The Bible says, let him that speaks in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. 1 Corinthians 14, 13. Let him that speaks in a known tongue pray that he may interpret. Because counsel in a man's heart, the solution the world needs right now is as deep waters in your heart. A man of understanding will draw it up and draw it out. A man of understanding will stir up the gift and pick out the solutions the world needs. That's the missing thing, guys. Like Daniel, like Joseph, they didn't stay at the level of just praying in the spirit. They prayed also to interpret. Because if they don't pray to interpret, it will just remain a mystery. It will never do the world good. And so there are mysteries you are speaking in your heart. Do you pray to interpret? Have you been praying to interpret your, 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 your mysteries? That's the missing link, guys. I'm not telling you to look for the answers. Just pray to interpret. After you're done praying in the spirit for 20, 30 minutes, can you take some another 20, 30 minutes and pray to interpret? And say, Lord, as I've spoken in the, in the spirit right now, I do not know what I just said, but I know you have access to all these mysteries in the realm of the spirit. Can you give me some understanding to the degree that I need understanding, to the degree that I need the answers to that mystery? Can you give me some understanding? I begin to pray, Lord, I believe that I receive right now. I believe that I receive interpretation. I believe that I receive interpretation. If you cannot receive interpretation, Paul will not ask you to pray. To receive an interpretation. In the context of 1 Corinthians 14, he was talking about the collective church. That you don't just pray in tongues, pray in tongues. A believer, you know, just praying in tongues in the church and people come and they don't understand what you're saying. It's foolishness unto them because they're like, who is this barbarian and all of those things. And so they are not edified. The church is not edified. You are the only one that is edified. But you see, in a personal context as well, if all you do is pray in tongues and you're not looking for interpretation, you also, there is a, lim there is a limit of edification you can get. 
There is a limit of edification you can get. And so when it says, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, it is both on the leg. The edification comes on the leg of interpretation, or rather speaking in tongues and interpretation. It is on the leg of this truth that the church is edified. It is on the same leg that the, the person is edified. If the church cannot be edified by just praying in tongues alone until somebody interprets, then why do you think you will be edified? If all you do is pray in tongues and you have no interpretation for the tongues you've been speaking all these years. So counsel in a man's heart. The answers to the life's questions are as deep waters. A man of understanding will pray in tongues and pray to interpret so that he can draw it out. And that is the missing link, brothers. This was revelational for me, guys. Beyond praying in tongues, pray to interpret. Beyond praying in tongues, pray to interpret. Every time you pray in tongues, ask God, what are you saying? What portion of this mystery belongs to my understanding? Ah! What portion? What portion of the things that I'm saying in the spirit belongs to my understanding? Because if you don't pray to interpret, you won't get it. That's why Paul said, let him that speaks in an unknown tongue pray to interpret. He didn't just say, let him wait to interpret. No, pray. That means there is a prayer to pray in tongues. And there is a prayer to pray to, to interpret. And so every time you pray in the spirit, also pray to interpret. All the mysteries of the world are locked up in interpretations untold. Interpretations that nobody has ever had access to. All the answers to world's problems are in there. But nobody prayed to interpret, so nobody got it. Thank God Joseph, as a type and shadow of believers today, he didn't just have a his spiritual understanding by praying in, the, in tongues. He, he, he received the blueprint in the spirit and he drew it out by praying for interpretation, guys. Daniel, the same thing. And that's not going to be different for our generation. We pray in tongues a lot, but we don't pray to interpret. You need to pray to interpret. That is how you stir up the gift and you receive knowledge. You receive understanding. And then you can edify both the church yourself and the world. Did you get that? I really need us to get that. None of which the preachers of this world knew. No other person has access to this kind of mystery. If they knew it, they would not be threatening the world with COVID-19. If they knew, they wouldn't have told us to stay home in this season. If they knew it, the world would not be in the chaos that it is. But now that it's in this chaos, praise God. God is going to bring out some mystery, deep solutions in the heart of believers. But the believer must not just pray in the spirit. He must pray to interpret as well. So that he can have answers and solutions to the world's problems. The first thing you do to the river is to what? Is to draw. The second thing you do to the river is to what? Is to stir up the gift. And then the third thing, which is the most important part of this whole thing, is to give the river. Is to give the river. Let's go to John chapter 4 as we begin to wrap up. That's the last thing you do to the river. Oh, this is so powerful. John chapter 4. There is a river that flows from my heart. It's filled with colors of praise unto you. There is a river that flows from my heart. It's filled with colors of praise unto you. And you are king. King. 
king, yeah. You are a king. You are Lord. And you will reign forevermore. And I will sing your praise forever. My heart will lift you high. I will sing your praise forever. My voice. My voice will raise you up and I will sing your praise forever. My hands, my hands are lifted high. I will sing your praise forevermore. Wow! There is a river. Woo! Praise God. You draw from the river righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. You stare the river for power, love, and sound mind. And then you give the river. You give of that river. John chapter 4. The Bible says, of course we all know the, the passage, how Jesus met a Samaritan. Let's begin from verse 7. There cometh a Samaritan woman to draw water. Jesus said unto her, give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy, to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, how is it that thou... Being a Jew, ask me of a drink, which I'm a, I'm a woman of Samaria. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus said, and said unto her, If thou knew the gift of God. Woo, I like that part. He says, And who it is that said unto thee, Give me to drink. Thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with. Woo, I like that. What do we draw with? Joy! Hallelujah! Oh, he says, Thou hast nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. Of course, we know the well is deep. From whence then hast thou this living water? Had thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us this, this well, and drank thereof of himself, and his children, and his cattle? And Jesus, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give unto him shall never thirst. But the water shall, that I shall give unto him shall be in him a well of water, springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water higher that I thirst not, neither come either to draw. Jesus said unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and him that thou hast, that now hast, is not thy husband. In that, that's <laughs> KJV, praise God. <laughs> In that sayest thou truly, praise God. And then the woman said, oh, I perceive that thou was the prophet and all of that. And then they had to talk about worship and all of that. But I need us to understand something very important here. Jesus was tired and hungry. Tired and hungry moments. On my IG page, you can find it there. Very short clip. Tired and hungry moments. Jesus was tired and hungry. And so he, he needed a break. And so he sat by a well. And then while he was waiting for his disciples who had gone to get him food and water, a woman goes to the well and tries to fetch and while she was fetching, Jesus strikes this conversation with her and says, can you give me some water? And then the woman looked at him and said, you are a Jew. Come on now. You have no business with me. I'm a Samaritan. Samaritans are half Jews, have other things. Amen. And so why should you be talking to me, a half caste? And then Jesus said, oh, well, if you knew who it is. And then, of course, the woman also replied and said, um, if I want to give it to you, how do you draw? The well is very deep. How do you get this water that you're talking about? And he said, well, if you knew the gift of God and the person that is talking to you right now and asking you to give him water, you would, beyond giving water, ask for him to give you the water that he has. <laughs> the woman began to think, well, okay, what are you talking about? Are you greater than our, than our father Jacob? Yeah, our father Jacob dug this well for us. He fed from there. His children fed from there. The cattle fed from there. And then you're talking about some, some living water. What are you talking about? And then Jesus gives explain to her and said, uh, the water that you're drinking right now, it's subject to diminishing returns. When you drink it, it finishes. You have to come back again. And then the river never moves. Or the well never moves. You come to it. And then if you, if you drink of this water, you will thirst again. But the water I'm talking about, you will never thirst again. And after Jesus had exposed the reality of this river that he's talking about to her, she said, oh, wait, I don't want to thirst again. I don't want to ever have to come to this river again or to this well again. Just give me this river. I like the sound of what this river can do or what this water can do. And see what Jesus does. Jesus doesn't say, oh, yeah, bring your cup. Let me give you 
Alright? It doesn't say, bring your cup, let me give you up this river. It doesn't say that. What does he say? He says, go and call me your husband. Ah, this is powerful. Now, th- th- this is what I want you to understand. That there is a river within you. There is a river right now that is in your bellies. Bible says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And this spread here of the Holy Ghost, which has not been released because Christ has not been glorified. And so, yes, right now in your spirit, you have the rivers of living waters. Praise God forever. There is a river of living waters right in your spirit. And so what do you do with it? You give of that river. There is a difference between the river that Jesus was going to give that woman and the well that Jacob dug for them. There is a big difference. That well cannot move from place to place. Everybody has to come to that well. Everybody has to come and feed from that well. And when they're done exhausting their waters, they have to come back again after a few days. They have to come back again after a few months, after a few weeks. But there is a river, praise God, that never runs dry. It's called the rivers of living waters. And this river is right in your spirit and it can be given to someone else. Bible says that Jesus told that woman and said, the water that I'm going to give you, it will be in you a well, but it will never remain a well. The well of Jacob stays a well. It stays a well. It started a well. It's going to die a well. Everybody comes to that well. That well is not so selfish and self-centered. It stays in one place. It's so religious and legalistic. And there is nothing you can do that will get that river out of that place or that well out of that place. Anyone that wants that, wants that water must come to that river or must come to that well. But there is a river that goes around. There is a spring, praise God. He says, when I give you of this water, it will be in you a well, but it will not stay well. It will spring forth into everlasting life. Wow. This water doesn't just quench your thirst. It begins to quench others' thirsts as well. He says, it will be in you a well that springs forth into everlasting life. And then when this woman began to relate with that understanding, she said, oh, I like this water. I like this thing you are talking about. Can you give me so that I don't thirst again? In her mind, she's still talking about a natural water. Of course, you will thirst again if you drink natural water. Of course, you will need to refuel and, re- and, and you know, get your tanks filled again after drinking normal water. And then there is no end to <laughs> you thirsting naturally. But Jesus was not talking about that kind of water. Else, Jesus himself wouldn't be thirsty at that time and hungry. You see, he needed natural water. So he was not talking about that kind of water. But the woman still thought he was talking about the natural kind of water. And she said, give me of this water. I like the sound of this kind of water. Give me of this water. And Jesus said, no. This water is different. It's not the natural water. Go and call me your husband. Hi, yeah, 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 yeah. I like that. So Jesus, how he answers the woman's question and how he supplies the woman's, the, 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 the request of her heart, which is giving her the water, the living water, how Jesus answered her was by attacking the challenges and the problems of her life. Wow. Jesus doesn't say, go and get me a cup. Let me give you this water. It doesn't say, bring, bring your hand, just touch me, you get the water. No. Jesus begins to address the real issues in her life. He says, go and call me your husband. And she said, well, I don't have a husband. He said, oh, yes, you have, you, have, you have rightly said. Because you have had five husbands. And the one that you now live with is not your husband. I said, wow, I perceive you a prophet. And then after, of course, God answered all the questions in her heart, she goes ahead and bring all the rules of Samaria, all the men of Samaria. And then she brings them all to Jesus. Jesus answered the questions, also stayed there for two days extra. Praise God and got the whole place saved. And began to dispense the waters, the living water. That everywhere it goes, it dispenses life and grace and love and mercy. Jesus' kind of water is not the normal kind of water. It's the water that addresses the problems of people's hearts. And so Jesus was not talking to that woman about a physical water, like this water that I drink. Not that kind of water. There is a river of living waters in your spirit that you can use to address the problems of people's lives. Is there someone that needs your help right now? There's somebody who can buzz right now on WhatsApp. Who needs a river? Who needs answers? Who has problems? Who has challenges? And the answer is in your spirit. Because you have stirred that river and you have received mysteries, interpreted them into understandings, and you have been able to draw out that counsel, and then you cannot dispense that water to someone else. Right there in John chapter 4, Jesus drew from the river. The Bible says when the woman asks, Oh, you have nothing to draw with. My scripture puts Isaiah chapter 12 verse 3 there. Just in that scripture, it says you have nothing to draw with Isaiah chapter 12 verse 3. Showed up in that verse. Because in Isaiah chapter 12 verse 3, with, with what we draw, we draw waters from our wells of salvation. So apparently, Jesus has drawn waters from his wells of salvation at that point. Because the only way he could minister to another person after getting so tired and hungry is because he received strength from a well. He received strength from the rivers of living waters. With joy, he received strength. Praise the name of the Lord. 
He received strength. And so at that point he drew. And then of course as he was interacting with the woman, he was staring up the gift. He was praying underneath his breath and then receiving understanding, receiving understanding. And then word of knowledge came. And then he began to minister to that woman. And then he gave of the rivers of living waters to that woman. He didn't ask her for a cup. Because that would be played on the same turf. You give me water, I give you water. What's the difference? I'm giving you a river of living waters. Bible says this water shall be in you a well. But it springs forth into everlasting life. It springs forth. It doesn't stay a well. Jacob's well stays a well. It dies a well. Everybody comes to that well. And then after they are done taking from that well, they come back a day after. They come back seven days after. They come back two months after. They still have to come back. But there is a river once you receive it. All you need to do is keep staring it. And after you stare it and stare it, it's just not going to be about you and you alone. It's a well for you, but it's a spring for others. It shall be in you a well, but it will spring forth into everlasting life. It's a well for you, but it's a spring for others. That is, you should be a well-watered garden whose waters fail not. When people come to you, they have answers. Your waters must never run dry. You must continue to stir up that river. And you must continue to give of that river. If you don't give of it, it will go stagnant. You don't stir it for yourself alone, for your family alone, for your nation alone. You stir it for the nations. Jesus was so selfless. He was so loving that even when he was tired and hungry, he still had some energy left in him to minister to a woman that needed help. She was drawing physical water, but he gave her of the living water. And the Bible says when she told her that, he said, guy, when he told her that, he said, this thing will be in you well. That will spring forth into everlasting life. And right there, she began to spring already. She began to run to the villages and nearby suburbs and called all the men of Samaria. Come and see a man who told me everything that I needed to know about my life. And she brought all those men and God and Jesus ministered out to all of them and gave them of that river as well. And so what are you doing about the river in your spirit? Are you only drawing it for yourself, stirring it for your own self, and you're not giving it? Look for somebody to minister to today. That woman couldn't just listen to everything Jesus was saying and say, I'm just going to take this all by myself. No! She ran into the villages, brought all the men to receive of this same river. And by the time they were done with Jesus, they said unto the woman, we believe not just because of what you've said, but because we have listened to him ourselves and we believe him for his own sake. And so, is your platform, your WhatsApp status, your IG, are they used as, you know, propagators? Are they used as vessels that propagates the gospel? Are they being used as channels of dispensing the living water? Or all you do with it is to just use it to gather more and gather more and get more money and get stuff. And you're not dispensing to the nations. And you're not dispensing to your neighbors. And you're not living a life of, of a spring. It will be in you a well for you, but it will be a spring for others. Don't let it remain in you a well and die a well. That would be like Jacob. That is stationary. Everybody needs to come to it. He doesn't move around. Jesus was not that kind of person. He went about doing good. Healing all that we oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. Our God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Acts chapter 10 verse 38. That he went about doing good. Healing all that we oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. Do you understand that? So he, his own kind of river was not stationary. His own kind of river was not Jacobian. He was of the Christ. He went about doing good. Healing all that we oppressed. Answering all questions. Giving answers in this COVID-19 era. There are answers in your spirit. Draw it out and give it up. In the name of Jesus. That's how you run with this river. You draw from this river. You stir up that river. And then you give that river. Praise the name of the Lord. This river never runs dry. And so when people ask you to give of that river. You're not asking them for a cup. So they can give them natural water that will make them thirst again. You're answering the questions of their heart. Because once the woman said, give me of this water. Jesus looked at her and said, go call me your husband. And began to answer the deep questions in her heart. And so there are questions in men's hearts that only your mouth can answer. Are you answering those questions? Are you bringing out frameworks and underpinnings and theories and realities from the realm of the spirit? Answering the questions in the hearts of people. If you're not doing that, you're still living with Jacob in a stationary river. Sorting your own self out and your family alone. And after a while, you'll start to go back there. You're not blessing anybody. You're not changing any life. You're not stirring up the gift of God in you. Because that gift, the Bible says, when you meditate on these things, you keep yourself holy to them. The Bible says, your property will appear unto all men. You will save both yourself and those that hear you. That is, this river is not selfish. This river is not all about you. It's not about kind of what you have, sitting on the can and bending the can with your big boss. That's not, <laughs> that's not the purpose of this river. 
when that river comes and you receive it into your spirit, you're going to be able to dispense it to others. If you're here today and listening to me and you have not given your heart to Jesus, this is the best time in the world to give your heart to Jesus. You don't postpone salvation. If you hear the word, harden not your heart. Today is the day of salvation. Because you can never have access to this river if you're not saved. Only those who are saved can have access. While Peter was ministering to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10, once they were getting saved, the Holy Ghost was falling. Acts chapter 10 verse 44, the Bible says, while Peter yet speaks these words, the Holy Ghost fell on every one of them. There is so much you can do with the river. There is so much you can do. Acts chapter 2 verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, the apostles were gathered in one accord in one place. And Bible says, there came a sound suddenly, as of a sound of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And the Bible says, they appeared unto them, clothed in tongues like as a fire, and sat on each and every one of them. And Bible says, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with tongues, as the Holy Spirit gave them offerings. And so if you're not saved, you have no access to this powerful revelation, powerful experiences in the Holy Ghost. You have no access. And so if you need to be saved right now, say this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I believe in your word. I believe in your son. I know and acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I need the saving grace of a savior. Father, right now I acknowledge my sin and I receive the gift of righteousness. I receive the gift of salvation. Right now I acknowledge that it is not my works, it is not my, my power, it is not my, it's not by any works of righteousness that I can do that I can get saved. I receive the gift of righteousness broken for me by Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. And because of what he has done, I receive salvation by faith. And right now I am saved. And therefore being justified by faith, I have peace with God right now. God is no longer angry with me. I'm not angry with God. We're cool. We're, we're fine. And there's nothing wrong between my union with the Lord right now. And thank you, Father, because I rejoice with joy unspeakable, full of glory. Thank you, Father, because right now also I receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It can be ministered to through somebody else and you can actually receive that gift right now. The way the Holy Ghost comes is not necessarily dependent on any particular scheme or framework. It can come on you right now without anybody laying hands on you. Acts chapter 10 verse 44, the Holy Ghost fell on them without their receiving any hands laying. The Holy Ghost just fell. And so right now as I speak to you, as you pray this prayer along with me, you can receive a baptism of the Holy Ghost. So right now, wherever you are, begin to pray in the Spirit by faith. You can be baptized right now. You just need a contact. And that is the contact you have received. Looking at me in the screen. That's the contact you need. While Peter yet spake, the Holy Ghost fell on them. And right now I command that the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus fall on these ones. In the name of Jesus. Let them receive the gift of you. And let it change their lives. Help them to draw. Help them to stare. And help them to give you the rivers of living waters. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your prayer. For in Jesus' precious name we pray. I believe you were blessed by that word. I've been so blessed and enriched. It's been such an amazing time in God's presence. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been so refreshing. So please do not forget to draw. Do not forget to stare. And do not forget to give. Praise the name of God. And it's another opportunity for us to give also unto the Lord right now. Give of the substance. All right. Honor the Lord with the substance and with the first fruit of your increase. All right. And that is exactly how your barns would also burst forth with with increase, Proverbs of the 3 verse 9. And so um, our account details will be made available to you if you're interested. And for those who are members already, you have the account details with you. So give right now. All right, don't let this situation, circumstances, all right, affect your giving attitude or your giving ability. All right, so do exactly as the Lord will lay in your heart and give. And I believe strongly that the Lord will bless and, you know, increase the fruit of your righteousness in the name of Jesus. My name is Daniel Brunsley. It was such an amazing time hanging out with you today. I hope you'll join us again next week, Sunday, for an amazing time in God's presence. This has been so refreshing. Please share the link, perhaps the MixLR you know, links. Share to people that were not able to make it for this morning session. Share it to them. It's going to really bless your heart. And if you need the teachings from last week, go on SoundCloud. Or you need the PDF documents. You can as well get it also from any of our representatives at the PowerPoint time. I love you so much. God bless you. And for my wife, the same. Bye-bye. The media person, the sound engineer. She's been so awesome. God bless you. We love you we so love much. Love you. Bye. Bye. Love you. Wow. What a word. For more messages, connect with our tribesmen across all social media platforms at PowerPoint Tribe.